Thank you so much for joining us today. God wants to use people like you to help build his kingdom. And one of the greatest ways to do that is to serve in the local church. If you want to get involved with College Park Church, visit collegeparkchurch.org and click on Get Involved. Also, if you'd like to help support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting collegeparkchurch.org to choose the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's message. Um, this might be your first or second or third time. Uh, just thanks for um, strapping your seatbelts and being, being, just being there with us this morning to, to be able to honor a great group of people. I think one thing that excites me is the fact that pretty much all of them have a desire to serve God in the local church. How amazing is that, right? They say, um, um, I, just, I just heard some crazy statistics that they talk about that if you don't reach um, young people by the age of 18 or when they go into college, you only have a 20% chance of reaching them for the Lord. I just heard a startling statistic this week um, from a professor of North Greenville that statistic, that statistic now has dropped down to the age of 12. So you can't reach people by the age of 12. You only have a 20% chance of reaching them. We want to create an environment to where young people, like you just heard, my desire to serve God 24-7 here in the local church. Come on, is that not amazing? It's amazing. So again, for those of you, this might be your first, second, or third time being with us. That's our desire for you to belong before you behave, for you to belong before you believe. To be able to create an environment where you love God so much and you have a place where you can be able to serve Him with everything that you have. Amen? We want to welcome everybody online that might be watching this this week, next month, or next year. Thanks for tuning in and being with us today. Um, I want to talk. My wife asked me this week, you know, do you know what you're uh, preaching on? I was like, I have no clue. I mean, I have thoughts that got downloaded into me, um, into my soul, into my spirit. But to be able to give it a proper title, I have no idea. I have no clue. Um, others are, you know, what's, are you gonna, how are you going to end the series, What Is? Are you going to um, go into a new series? Uh, I was like, I have no idea. Because my desire, my goal, my purpose is to be able to hear God and just follow him. And if he's not speaking something for me to do, I don't want to manipulate or create something that, he, that he's not telling me this is what I want. Do I need to change my phone? We're going to get some fish, man. Um, th- that's just my desire, is to be able to give God everything. Because one of the things that I realize is that uh, one of the things God desires is obedience, because obedience is greater than sacrifice. It's more important. You know, um, I grew, I grew up charismatic Pentecostal. When it comes to wanting to be a successful Christian, when it comes to wanting to live a life of significance, I mean, who in here wants to live a life of success and significance? Raise your hands if it says, make some noise. You want to live a life of significance and success in your families, um, um, within raising kids, within your businesses. You want to live a life of significance and success when it comes to your faith, when it comes to the calling of God and the purposes of God in your life. I mean, I... Essentially, that is every one of our desires, is to live a life of success. But here, here's the thing that just blows my mind when it comes to success. People are afraid to suffer. So those of you who are graduates, to those of you who are career-minded, to those of you who are wanting to get married or are married, here's the thing. You're going to experience suffering in life. 
In fact, Jesus even said that you will experience trouble and suffering in this world. And so if you're trying to live for the Lord without experiencing suffering in the local church, suffering when it comes to um, communicating your faith to other people, then you just give up now. Because if you want to be successful in the kingdom of God, you will experience suffering. You can't get around that. You've got to go through it. Jesus carried his cross. And for those of you looking for an avenue, a route, some type of direction in order to go and experience success in God, significance in the kingdom without experiencing suffering throughout the prophets, you are mistaken. Because God will call you to success. In fact, that's God's plan for you. Can I just be honest? I've been talking to my staff here recently. Success is predictable. Like, you don't have to live wondering, am I ever going to be successful? You don't have to wonder, am I going to be successful in my marriage? You don't have to wonder, am I going to be successful in my business? You don't have to wonder, am I going to be successful in my career or in my school? Success is predictable, just like failure is as well. Because scripture gives us a definite instruction, definite outtake, definite blueprint of what it really means to be successful and prosperous and everything that we need to do and everything that we touch and everywhere our feet is planted in our entire life. One of the scriptures that has just been blowing my mind here recently is just, man, the whole book of Joshua. Going back to, you know, leading people. How can we lead people? In order to lead people, God has to first lead you. So how did God lead Joshua to his journey? How did God lead Joshua to become successful? How did God lead Joshua to live a life of significance that so many people look at today? And so God's speaking to Joshua. Moses is dead. You're my man. You're about to transition into a a new chapter, into a new season. And I know the steps that you're about to step into seem big. The steps that you're about to step in the shoes that you were about to put on seems just so bigger than you can imagine. But here, I'm about to give you something. Lean in, Joshua. I'm about to tell you, you want to be successful. You want to be prosperous? Here you go. In Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, this is what he says. You want to be, how many want to be successful? How many want to be prosperous? This is the blueprint. This is the instruction of God, his command. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I'm sorry, that's John. If you keep this book of the law always on your lips, and you meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then, someone shout, then. Then you will be prosperous and successful in all you do. Your success is hinged on obedience. Your success, though, is not hinged on prayer. Your success is not hinged on fasting. Your success is hinged on obeying God's commands, his precepts, and his law, and hiding it in your heart. Here you are trying to defeat sin. Here you are trying to overcome lust. Here you are trying to find out God's will, and, but you have anxiety. You're plagued with depression, and you're plagued with all these things that God never had a plan for you. Because Jeremiah 29, 11 tells me his plans are to prosper you. His plans are not to harm you. His plans are not to kill you, but to give you a hope and a future. That is God's plan. It's predictable. It's predictable. 
That's God's desire. That's God's ultimate plan for every man, every woman in this house and outside of this house today. He wants to prosper you. He wants to see you successful. But prayer is not going to get you to that. Fasting is not going to get you to that. Obedience will and will always be the way. But here's the problem with obedience. In order to have obedience, you need to be disciplined. Did he just cuss in church? How dare he say the D word in church? Someone shout discipline. We live in a world that where we don't like discipline, we like to be defiant. Just look at the news. Just watch everything going on social media. Every time someone says we need to do this, so there's always a group, there's always some type of nonprofit organization that wants to be defined against the law, defined against the precepts, defined against the rules and regulations that were set out before us in order to rule us, not to harm us, but to keep us safe, not to hurt us, but to prosper us, not to just restrict us and restrain us, but God's given us law, written rules in order for our success. But if we're constantly living a life of disobedience, we'll never experience a life of, 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 of success. If you're constantly living a life that is constantly defined to God's word, always questioning God's word, always wondering about God's word, but never trusting his word, never obeying his word, you'll never experience success, much less significance. So here you are praying your guts out and your world still sucks. Here you are crying your eyes out at the altar, at your home, at the, at, at the foot of your bed, crying your eyes out. I mean, isn't that what the children of Israel did for decades and centuries? Crying out for God. God, where are you? Because they were put in slavery. God, where are you? Because people were putting burdens on them that God never designed them to carry. And so here they are crying, lamenting, tears flowing, and yet nothing's happening. It's like, God, do you love me? I love you. God, why am I not, why, if you love me, why am I not successful? If you love me, why am I not prospering? If you love me, why is my house in shambles? If you love me, why is everything suck at work? If you love me, why is all this happening to me? And God says, because you're not obeying my commands. Because success isn't hinged on prayer. Success is hinged on obedience. Pray your guts out all you want. Fast and read the Bible all you want. But if you can't put God's instructions into action, nothing else matters. So you can come to church and be motivated and be encouraged and say, Woo, God's plans are to prosper me. God's plans are to give me a hope in the future. But if you don't walk out of this building and you have love for one another, if you don't walk out of this building and allow forgiveness to be manifested out of your heart and inside of your mind, if you cannot allow the, oh, the commands of God, the laws of God to be hidden in your heart, you will always sin continually. Because David said, I hide your word in my heart that I may not sin against my God. And the reason why your marriage stinks, and the reason why your attitude stinks, the reason why so many of us, our heart is dark, is because of this one thing, obedience. Obedience. I wish I had the scripture up. I didn't give it to him because, I, man, I'm just, I'm, I feel the spirit of God just, man, just moving differently. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And so here you are arguing with God. I've given up this. I've sacrificed this. I've given up this, 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 this. God, where are you? God's like, Obedience is it's better than sacrifice, Mark. I left all those friends. I left all those people. 
I let that old lifestyle. I'm not, God, I let the alcohol down. God, I let the prescription drugs down. God, I let those friends, I cut them out of my life. I let it all down. Why does my life still seem dark and seem so far away from you? Obedience. Obedience. See, we hear about suffering. We hear about carrying our cross. But more than suffering, I don't, I don't think the suffering part when it comes to Scripture is what's screwing up the church. What I think is screwing up the church is that we don't want to feel stupid in the process. I remember the first time I raised my hand in church, Dylan, I felt so stupid. I remember the first time I'm sitting on the back row of Somerville Family Worship Center. And I remember when the pastor called for the altar call. And I remember my heart was beating so hard. I remember, man, everything inside of me was just moving. But I felt so stupid to get off my seat, come down to the altar, and lay my cares before my God because I didn't want to look stupid. I remember seeing Steve Wilson sitting on the front row and he lifted his hands. Greg Wilson and Zach Wilson raising their hands. And I remember Steve Wilson saying, Mark, if you want a family like this, you can't be willing to not seem stupid. Because following God, people will call you stupid. There are things God will tell you to say in a green room like last week and you feel stupid. But if you're not willing to feel stupid through the process, you will never live a life of significance. You will never experience success because anyone who has ever followed God seems stupid. There's Jesus. He's talking to the disciples. I got to die. I got to carry this cross. And there's Peter. You can't do that. That's stupid. You can't go there. You can't do that. You can't apply that process, that method here, God. No good can come to that. But he said, I must obey my father. I only do what my father says for me to do. I only do what I see my father do. Why? Because he lived a life of obedience. And that obedience, even though he looked stupid to all the other people around him, brought salvation to humanity. Everyone thought he was foolish. Everybody thought he was silly. Everybody thought he was stupid. But because of the act of obedience, it changed the world. Everyone looks stupid in the process when they're pioneering something. Everybody looks stupid. Orbo Robo Wright looks stupid. We're gonna, we're gonna fly. That's stupid. Only birds fly. Henry Ford, I'm gonna make a car. And we don't have to walk or get on a horse. It's going to be mechanical. That's stupid. Thomas Edison building the light bulb when the only way of getting light and illumination was through a candle. That's stupid. But he was willing to look stupid throughout his entire journey, throughout the process, and look at the life of significance that, he's, that everyone sees out of his life today. Every time you listen to God, your success is hinged on obedience to that word. Every time you read his word, it seems silly at times. Purity? Really? Man and wife, not girl and girl, boy and boy. It's, oh, everywhere I turn the channel, it just seems normal. This seems, according to God's word as I read, this seems irrelevant, seems silly. It seems obedience is better than sacrifice. 
It's not about what you're willing to kill, but it's about you obeying every direction that he takes you in. Because not only are you obedient, but you're disciplined. I'm not going to be defiant with your word, God, but I'm going to trust you that, you're, that you are perfect. I'm not going to question your instruction, but I'm going to trust you that your ways are higher than my ways. Your ways are higher than mine. You're above me. I'm beneath you. God, you're higher. You're greater. You're, you know everything. You created everything. So why are we so defiant? So what ends up happening is we live a life where we just sit in a pew because we don't want to seem stupid. We cross our arms together because we don't want to seem silly. We don't want to open our voice and sing because we don't want to look foolish. And the whole entire time, what ends up happening is because you are refusing or you refuse to look stupid, you end up becoming stagnant. Wondering why success is happening to all these other people. Can I just be honest with you? Before I was a pastor, do you know what I was? I was a man. I was a man. Some people think because I'm a pastor, I have this glory that just follows me everywhere I go, and I have no temptation whatsoever. Like, lust doesn't fight me. As if wanting to cuss doesn't ever come inside my mind. As if, not, not, as if I never have a desire to pimp slap a church member. The devil is a lie. I have that a lot. But you know why I don't pimp slap people in the name of Jesus? I'm disciplined. I'm disciplined. Because I have purpose residing, resonating in my heart. Because this isn't what I choose to do. I choose to be everything he wants me to be. Because discipline, for those of you who want to understand it, this is just a simple definition for those of you who love to take notes. This is just discipline in its purest form, at least for me. Discipline is choosing between what you know or what you want now and what you want most. That's all discipline is. Choosing what you want now versus what you want most. Can I ask you this question today, church, to make this somewhat applicable in your life? What do you want most? Seriously, Robin, what do you want most? Abby, what do you really want most? Jack, what do you really, Scott, what do you, Chris, what do you really want most? Because what you want most should determine the choices that you pick today. Because who you are today is the sum total of the choices you were yesterday. But what you will be tomorrow is determined by the choices you make in the here and the now today. So if you don't like who you are, guess what? Newsflash, good news. You can change it right here, right now. You can change it by the choices you make. How? Through obeying, through obedience to God's commands and laws and precepts. And as you obey God's laws, his precepts, his his commands, God says, wherever your feet touch, I'll give it to you. Now, last week, I tried to dismantle and defog the whole idea of what purpose looks like. I really want to dismantle and defog what people truly believe what success looks like. Because I know some of you are so confused. Some of you think I'm blasphemous as far as prayer. How can you say that about prayer? Because here's the thing. Go back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. God told Adam, I've given you dominion and authority over everything on the earth. Dominion and authority. How many times do you see Adam praying to name an animal? Never. Why? Because he had authority and dominion to do it himself. 
Don't ask God to give you instruction for something he's already given you instruction to do. And that is for you to make the choice within your heart because you are connected to him. And so what happens is prayers become a crutch in the church. Oh, I prayed about this. You didn't pray about nothing. Stop slapping something spiritual when it's not. Because when you go after a life of significance, when you go after a life of success, you will experience suffering and you will seem stupid. But this is why people leave church. That's stupid. This is why people leave church all the time. And that just seems silly. I don't believe it. It's not for you to believe. It's for you to trust and obey. For there's no other way but to be happy in Jesus is to trust and obey. And so here's Moses in the wilderness. All the people's telling him, this is how church needs to be, and this is what you need to do, and this is what we need. And over and over again, where do we find Moses? In the presence of God. And what kind of conversation do we see Moses commuting with God? I don't want to go anywhere where you're not going to be. I don't want to do nothing that you don't want me to do. If you don't go, I'm not going. I'm staying here. And so that seems, oh, that's easy. That's not easy when you have over 2 million people saying, if you don't do this, I'm going to leave you. If you don't do this, I'm taking everything I have and I'm moving somewhere else. I'd rather go back to Egypt than stay with you. At least there we had something. Here it's a dry desert land. But there was something in Moses that was so different from all the other people that were supposedly God's chosen people. What was that? He obeyed. He lived a life of obedience. And why do we see him so successful? It's because he was disciplined throughout the process. I'm going to obey you and not man. I'm not going to obey mankind, but I'm going to obey you. Whatever you say, I'll, I'll say. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to do, I will do. Because he recognizes that success and significance is hinged on obedience. But if you can't allow your life to be disciplined in the area of obedience, you will fail. And so what does it look like to live a life of disobedience? Disobedience is nothing more than living a life of convenience. It's about what you want, what you like, when you want it at your time. There's a big difference between living a life of convenience versus a life of conviction. Because a life of a conviction will cause you to say things that people don't understand like it was with Jesus and the disciples. Like it was with Mary when God told her, you're going to care the son, but you're not going to have sex, but you're going to be pregnant, and you're going to tell everybody about this. How foolish and stupid does she look like going to house to house? How stupid does she look like talking to people in her family? I'm pregnant. How stupid did Joseph feel? Knowing that she's pregnant, but not by him. Well, God spoke. How many things has God spoken to you and you haven't obeyed? Can we just be honest this morning? How many things has God told you to do and you retreated, you walked away? How many times, has, can we just be honest, following the laws of God is hard. Following the commands of God seem impossible. Trying to sustain and maintain this relationship with God seems almost too good to be true or too far to reach. And There's no way I can grab it. 
But Scripture gives us to be able to, Scripture gives us the blueprint because that's why he said it to Joshua. If you meditate on my word day and night, if you keep my commands and your laws, you'll never be able to walk around unsuccessful. You'll never be able to walk around with your head down because you will always be successful because God's way is the only way. His truth is the only one that can set you free, and he is the only way to the Father. And if we meditate on him, we'll find our way through it all. I love this scripture in John chapter 15, 16. Can y'all pull that up real fast? It's another scripture I wrote down. I didn't give it to you, my bad. Are y'all okay with this? I just want to give you my thoughts in my heart this morning. That's all I want to do this morning. There's literally no order up here. Literally just thought bombs that God's just been placing on my heart throughout a while ago. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. And I pointed you to go and produce lasting fruit. Who chose who? Who chose you? Who chose you? Who chose you? I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. But there's no way I can talk to that person next week at the adoptive block. I'm scared. That's not who I am. That's not my personality. That's not how I was wired. God said, I chose you. You didn't choose. Not only did I choose you, but I chose you for a certain kind of purpose. I chose you in order for you to experience a certain kind of success. I chose you to live a life of significance, and that is one that will bear good fruit. You connect that with Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. What does that mean? Wherever I choose to go, as long as I obey his commands, he will prosper me. Wherever I go, wherever my feet touch, he will give to me. Wherever my feet touch, the land that my body enters in, he will, be, he will win and I will be successful in there. Why can't you have success in your workplace? Why can't you have success within your home? Why aren't you experiencing success when it comes to witnessing and evangelizing and communicating? Obedience. There is something in your walk in the Lord that you have said is godly but is not. There's something in your walk with the Lord that you have ignored. There's something in your walk with the Lord that you haven't meditated on his word to give you instruction in. But you rather listen to the opinion of men instead of listening to the spirit that is within. And what ends up happening is you want spiritual success, but not realizing that your spiritual success is only as strong as your support system. It's only as strong as the thing that you cling to, only as strong as the thing that sources you. Because success is hinged on your system. It's hinged on your support. It's hinged on the source of life that drives you to make your decisions. The source that drives you to make your choices. The source that drives you in order to do why you do what you do. I've said this all the time. I'll say it again. People, if they don't want to do it, they'll make an excuse. If they want it, they'll find a way. Point blank. If you don't want to do it, you'll find an excuse. But if you really desire it, really want it, you will find a way. Hence, every teenager who doesn't have a job but can still go to the movies and go out to eat. That's a miracle in, the, in, 
in its own making right there. I don't see how that happens. I don't see how God makes a way. But somehow, some way, God makes a way. Because here's the thing. You want to be successful? Are you willing to look stupid? My son Judah is willing to look stupid everywhere he goes. Last night at 11.30 p.m., we had two college, or the college student and a teenager come to my house. I had an ungodly time in the middle of the night. And what does my son do? He goes out at 10.30, makes pop-up, pop-up cards in order to sell them. Hey, you want to buy this for three bucks? I'm like, what, what, what was that? Because he's not afraid to ask and seem stupid. He's not willing to do something in order to have significance, in order to experience success. Maybe that goes back to me, me being a father, and at the age of my boys being four years old, people thought I was stupid when I would ask them. And they would ask me, Dad, can I get a refill? And we'd be at Chick-fil-A. No, son, you go ask for your own refill. And I would make him walk, I would make him walk by himself. Now, I had my eyes on, on him from afar. I don't think I'm some crazy parent calling DS on me, man. And I would watch him from afar off and watch him so scared feeling so silly, looking so stupid, at the age of four, can barely look over the counter. Can I have a refill? But because of his obedience, because of him following daddy's instruction, now he's not afraid to ask for anything in life today. And if you've ever been connected to my life, has he not asked you for five bucks? Has he not want to sell you something for five bucks or two bucks? Why? Because he understands What can be produced out of obedience? What can be produced out of faithfully following instructions? Was he defined in the beginning? Absolutely. Did he not understand? Was he scared because he felt silly? Yes, he was. But he is experiencing success at a level that he has never experienced because he realizes that God has given us a strategy for success. God has given us a strategy of what it means and how to live in a life of significance, but he's looking for our obedience. We're constantly praying, God, send the rain. Send a miracle. Praying for God, send an answer. We're like, why isn't anything happening today? Where's my rain for my seed? Where's my rain? from my harvest. Where's my rain? Not knowing that, yes, I know from here we have spoken on the importance of seed. That in order to grow, you need to sow. If you ain't sowing nothing, baby, you ain't growing anywhere. But one thing that God has shown me that's so important, even in the life of my, uh, the Wagnons and how me and my wife are raising my sons and my daughter, that even though the seed is important. The quality of the soul is so much more. How is the soul of your heart? How is the soul of your mind? How is the soil of your soul? How hardened has this ground been? In order to experience breakthrough, you need to do some groundwork on your soul, on the soil in order for every seed that God wants to deposit inside of you to grow. You want that seed to grow in your life? You want that seed to grow 
inside of your family? You want that seed to grow into your future? You want, a seed, you want that seed to grow into your marriage? How is the soil of your soul? If this soil, your heart, your will, and emotions is hard, can any seed grow from it? Oh, my God, Bruce, haven't you not been talking about this, me, you, and Blake, about growing grass seed and getting the grass grown in here? I got so irritated last few months because we had so many weeds in the grass. Ended up putting weed killer and all this stuff in the front. Now we got, finally got grass growing up everywhere. Bruce has thrown seed as well, overseed. And so I was talking to them about throwing grass seed where our office is because it looks like trash and we want to make it look like beautiful. <laughs> but one of the things they were telling me, Pastor Mark, it's not, it's not the right season. That the seed will die even though you throw it on the soil. Because the soil is not going to be able to take the seed because of the season. Let this sink in. I had, I had some, I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to embarrass them. They're like, man, Pastor Mark, this message was good. No, every message is good. You just don't open up your ears to hear what the Holy Spirit's telling you. Because God's always speaking. I say God's always speaking. And every seed that he gives is perfect. Every seed that he gives is good. And every seed that he gives, he wants it to be prosperous. He wants it to be successful. He wants it to manifest his glory. He wants it to manifest his name all across the earth. But why does it seem that it's happening to others and not yourself? It's the soil. It's your heart. It's your mind. You can't go until you let go of things of the past. You'll never be able to cling to the promises of God until you cut the past and recognize that God's plans for you are to prosper you. That God's plans for you are to give you a hope and a future. His plans for you are not to harm you. But wherever you go, Joshua, wherever you go, Alvon, wherever you go, Mr. Chuck, wherever you go, Lee, wherever you go, May, wherever you go, I want you to be successful and I want you to be prosperous. But are you obeying my commands? Thus saith the Lord. You want my spirit? You want to get rid of the sin? But are you living a life of disciplined I heard this, this, guy, this, this counselor, Christian counselor, say when it comes to breaking addictions. He said, imagine, imagine you're in a house, and it was so fitting because of the conversations that me and you have been having here recently. And you want green grass everywhere. You want green grass. And so what ends up happening is you walk out your house. You know, you might have a sidewalk, right? You got to walk this way. And you got to walk that way in order to get to the road. But for most people, we live a life of convenience, not conviction. So what do we do? Instead of, even though what we want, what someone shout, what we want, what we want is green grass. We end up walking on what we want. Because it's faster to get from point A to point B this way. It's convenient. And so what ends up happening is 
Here you are, you walk out your door, you have a desire, I want green grass, I want, I want grass to grow because my, there's weeds and, and it's dry everywhere. And so you end up walking one time on the grass instead of walking and experiencing some inconvenience. And you look back and you're like, hey, nothing's changed. It's still grass, it's still there. But I don't know about you, but how many of you have animals? I have three dogs, two that live outside, one that lives inside. And there is this path my dogs take in order to go to the garage. And one of the things I've noticed that if you keep, even though you walked it down one time, nothing changed. If you continue to walk down that same path over and over again, it will die. And here you are desiring something that you want, but not being disciplined to make the right choices for what you want most. And instead of just coming out your door, just taking a detour for a moment, and walking up a longer path, you settle convenience, not conviction, and you wonder why one year down the road, two years down the road, 10 years down the road, you wasted your life. And instead of choosing pain, now you're living with regret. Choosing pain to push through that marriage. Choosing to experience the pain and having that confrontation for reconciliation. Choosing that pain in order to learn and grow and manifest to tend to the soul of your dry desert land or heart. You took the easy way instead of just veering right and walking up a path that's that God paid for you in order to protect what he wants for you. You settled for the shorter route and for shorter results. What ends up happening is you, you're constantly praying for this miracle. God, my, my marriage is dead and God, I don't see a bright future in front of me. God, I, I, can't, I can't defeat this lust. I'm praying for this miracle for, of deliverance of God to save you from this anxiety, depression. And as you're praying for a miracle, as you're asking for a miracle, God's asking for movement. How about you be disciplined and go in the right direction? How about you be disciplined, Mark, and become a true disciple? How about you come, become the discipline and not being distracted and taking detours because you think it's quicker? How about you obey me throughout the entire process? How about you, how, how about you realize that you're gonna say, it's gonna seem stupid. God, get, this is quicker. This seems silly, this seems stupid. For I know the plans I have for you, Mark. And if you really wanna prosper, you need to be disciplined in hearing my direction. You really want to be mature and be a successful and bear good fruit. You better be disciplined in becoming a disciple or you will be distracted throughout the process. And I just want to speak a word to someone in this place where you are so afraid of seeing, being, being seen silly. You are so afraid of being seen stupid. I've come with a word of heaven to you this morning. Until you are willing to seem stupid and silly, you will never experience success and significance. That your season of being stagnant 
has been hinged on other people's opinions and not God. That you have refused this one thing. This one thing I ask of you. Trust me. Trust me that my ways are higher than your ways. Trust me that my plans are good for you. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. I know it seems painful right now what that person did to you. And you want to have a hardened heart. And you don't want to have soft soul. And you don't want to be forgiving in the moment. I know it sounds stupid. But I promise you there is healing on the other side. It's, I, I wonder all the people, all the haters, all the haters that hated on Orbel and Rilbo Wright. All the haters that hated on Thomas Edelman. All the haters, where are they now? Don't they look stupid? And here people are. I remember how stupid people thought when I was 19 years old, just got saved, wet behind my ears. And I knew the calling of God in my life. Carlos Smith, Mason, I remember the calling. I remember the calling. I remember telling everybody I'm going to be in full-time ministry one day. I remember. I remember. One day I'm going to be in it. That's, my, that's God's desire for me. I'm going to do it. Everyone thought I was stupid. Everyone. I graduated magnum cum laude, top 10 in my class. Had a job coming out of college, 75 bucks an hour. And I gave it up because I knew the calling of God. And I wanted to be a disciple. And I understood that being a disciple, you have to follow his direction. I remember how stupid I felt talking to my mom. Remember how stupid I felt like talking to my youth pastor, my senior pastor, my best friends, my girlfriend at that time. And everyone thought, that's so stupid. But I wanted to be disciplined because I really wanted to be a disciple. But I can, I can, I can hear the accusations. You know what's funny now, Lee? This week, I've had conversations, I don't know how many pastors, this week. You know what they always ask me all the time? What's your strategy, Pastor Mark? How did you get to where you are at such a young age? What's your strategy? How did you do it? When I was a youth pastor, I would have all these other youth pastors because we started with four to eight teenagers and we grew up, grew it up to a big, big number. How did you do it like that? They think it's some strategy. It's no strategy. It's obedience. That's it. I trust you, God. Your ways are good. Your ways are higher. Your plans are good for me. Your plans have hope for me. Your plans are perfect for me. There is no strategy to get you to be successful. There's only one way, and that is Jesus. And being obedient throughout the entire process that Jesus is going to make a way. God spoke that to Joshua. Jesus speaks to us in John 15, 10. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. I've kept my Father's command, and I remain in his love. How do, you do, how do you get to a place where you don't feel like you're not safe? How do you get to a place where you feel secure in him? How do you get to a place you obey him? Whatever you say, I'll do. Wherever you tell me to go, I'll go. 
You listen to the Spirit of God that is just resonating inside you. You don't want to lift your hands because you feel stupid. I'm going to lift my hands, and I'm going to give unto him a joyful noise. I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his his courts with praise. God, I feel like God's calling me to the altar. I feel like God's telling me to say this. I feel like God, what do you, you just obey. What if they think I'm stupid? What if I'm wrong? It doesn't matter. Because it's not about the sacrifice. It's about the obedience every step of the way. That when I open the door, I'm not going to choose the quick path, but I'm going to choose the right path that he's directing for me. I care about the quality of my soil. I care about the quality of my soul. I realize that the choices and decisions I make today determine the growth of the seed that he plants inside my life in this moment. I realize that God's strategy is not just church growth steps. It's not about doing this because it's other church down the streets doing it. No, it's about obedience. You want God to send the rain? How about you bring some good soul? You want God to fill your life? How about you form your steps right before him in this moment? You want God to grow success out of your life? Are you willing to look stupid first? You have to sell out to God's plan regardless of how stupid. You got to sell out to God in order to experience the success and the blessings of heaven. It took Noah, was it 400 years, Jeff? 400 years to build a boat. 100 years to build a boat. 100 years. During a season where no one knew what rain was. And how stupid does Noah sound like? God's going to do this work. Has God spoken a promise over you, Avon? Has God spoken a promise to you, Meredith? What promises have you read as you meditated on his word day and night? How many promises are in his Bible that are yes and amen for you? And it's all hinged on obedience. As charismatics, we love to hoop and hoorah all the time. As Pentecostals, we want to we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. This past November, God did a work in our church. It started it and ended in February. I was talking to our leaders last Sunday because of something, a, trend, a change in the seasons that our church is going into. God spoke to me in November. I'm going to manifest my supernatural miracles to you. And did he not do that? November, December, January, from natural healings to a Buddhist confessing Jesus and seeing her husband healed. We've seen all sorts of signs, wonders, and miracles. Last week in the shower, God spoke to me. I'm transitioning y'all into a new season. That what I did in November to February will no longer happen in the way that you've seen it. Because no longer am I focusing on miracles, but I'm focusing, he spoke this in my spirit today that you will be a movement. Something he's shown me in the last three weeks, I haven't heard this preach, I haven't read it in the book, he has literally downloaded this into my spirit. 
when it comes to miracles, how many miracles do you see Jesus do to his own disciples personally? In the era of blind eyes, some type of physical healing. Not one. Not one. But you know who does you know who he does miracles to? The shallow sheep. I don't want to be a shallow sheep, Christy. Eric, I want to be a disciple. I don't want to know. I, I just don't want to experience the things of God, Lee. But may I want to know him. The power of his resurrection. I don't want to be grumbling. I don't want to get to a place where I'm old and grumbling and complaining as a Christian. But I want to be a total, devoted follower of Christ. That whatever he says, I will say. Wherever he says go, I will go. That we are not going to be a people who manipulate a movement that he has not spoken over our life. But we will obey him and we will trust him every step of the way. Yes, this way may seem quicker. And yes, this way may seem easier. And yes, this might be the way everybody else is going. But this isn't what God's telling me to do. This isn't the place that God's telling me to go. This isn't the route God's telling me to take. I will trust and obey. Because there's no other way. Oh, to be happy in Jesus. is to experience moments of stupidity. Moments of people thinking you're silly. Moments that seem small in the beginning. Only one day people think it's strategy. It wasn't never, it was never strategy. But it was obedience. Next Sunday, Father's Day, we're going to be witnessing and loving hundreds of kids in an apartment complex. Yeah, right? Hot dogs, hamburgers, water balloons. We're not teaching, we're not preaching, we're just going to love them. 80% to 90%, the, the apartment manager was telling me, don't even have a father, much less don't have a mother because the mothers are always working. They need somebody to move their life into their life. God is looking for somebody who's who's been crying for a miracle, to be a miracle in someone else. God is desiring. I've given you, now you give out. What I've given you, you freely give to those who are in need. That I'm, I'm not going to be constantly sending you miracles because I only give miracles to shallow sheep. But I want to teach you. I want to impart in you the hidden things of the Father. I want to bring you close to me. And instructs you what it really means to really be living. A life of obedience with every head bowed and every eye closed. I want to I speak to the person who's lived a life of convenience and not conviction. I want to speak to the person who's lived a life afraid of looking stupid. A life afraid of looking silly. But wants to choose to let go of what you want now to what you want most. Right now, I want to eat a Krispy Kreme donut, a whole box. But what I want most is to be in, in, in tip-top health. What I want now is to eat that cheesecake at the clock. <laughs> but what I want most 
It's for this temple to be a place that honors God. What I want now, sometimes I want to look at that girl. But what I want most is purity in my relationship with the Father. What I want most is to be able to have a genuine relationship with my wife. What I want most is to be an incredible father to my kids. And so I take the longer path. I take a different direction. What I want now is to be able to make 75 bucks an hour. But what I want most is to bear good fruit, fruit that remains and fruit that lasts. What I want most is for God to see me as being faithful. Even though what I want now at times is the approval of people. I live a life of obedience to you, Father. I live a life of total surrender to you in your name. And this morning you would say, I haven't been disciplined. In fact, as I hear the word being preached, I'm not a disciple. I'm a sheep, not a shepherd. I'm shallow, not, not willing to look stupid. But God, I'm sorry. I want to be a fully devoted follower of you. I want to live a life of surrender. I want to live a life of obedience. I want to live a life that trusts you every time you speak to me. You want me to love that person? I'll love that person. You want, to, you want me to give that offering? I'll give that offering. You want me to sow that seed? I'll sow that seed. Whatever it takes to make the heart and soul of my life fertile again. I want every seed of your word and every promise that you've spoken in your Bible. I want it to be hidden in my heart that it can manifest in such a way, God, that I don't sin, but I'm prosperous. I'm not failing, but I'm successful. Because all I care about, God, is you. And you would say, that's your desire this morning. Would you just lift your hand all across this building? My God, keep your hands up, please, with me. Father God, I ask you right here, right now. We see every hand raised. How in the world will we become this obedient disciple? It's when we just obey you and when we trust you. We will be able to live a life of significance and become successful. Holy Spirit, remove all these other methods and systems out of our life that don't support your spirit in our soul. Remove every ungodly thought and every ungodly way that is quenching your Holy Spirit to move in our mind and our soul this morning. Soften our heart, God, with forgiveness. Soften our heart, God, with obedience. Soften our heart with your mercy and grace as we become a fully devoted follower of Christ. We choose not what we want now, but we choose what we want most. And that is you, Jesus. True success 
is not maintaining the current course. True success is remaining and abiding in your love. And we choose that here, and we choose that now. We choose that today. In your name we pray. Can we give God praise this morning?